Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. inspiring. Oh, it's like I'm standing up here now thinking, wow, what an amazing thing. I, I, did you catch the words he said? The world is in desperate need of a spiritual revival, right? We do, we do need that. We do need that. When my kids were little, uh, we used to take them camping up in the El Capitan State Beach, just north of Santa Barbara. Anybody been there? So it's kind of like the bottom of the hills and up by the ocean, and there's no town close by at all, so it's this beautiful place, and one of our favorite activities was to pull out our flashlights, especially on a moonless night, and walk around and run around, because it's pitch dark there, and our kids would stay out, I mean, for hours. We could not get them to go to sleep, because they love playing in the dark. They love discovering things with their flashlights. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And light, light changes everything, doesn't it? Uh, in the darkest of places, just a little amount of light can make all the difference, change the whole mood of a space. Uh, light has, uh, brings life. And so today, as we, as we begin this morning, uh, I want us to start first by really acknowledging the darkness, because I don't think we can appreciate the light if we don't first acknowledge the darkness. And, and as Billy Graham said, and I think, I don't have to convince you of this, I think you'll agree, uh, that we are in a, in a, you know, we see our world around us and we see a lot of darkness, right? And, you know, just turn on the news and be completely depressed because you see darkness, you see innocent people being harmed, you see uh, people who are supposed to do the right thing doing the wrong thing, you see mass shootings, you see... Uh, children who are mentally ill doing the most horrific of things, right? And we just know. We know that the world can be dark. We know the world is dark. We know that it's just, it can be cruel. And I don't know what struggle you walked in with today. uh, Because, you know, if we can talk about the world and what's dark out there, you know, it sounds like it's over there, it's not over here. But, you know, when, when you think about it, you know, some us in our lives, we're dealing with some sort of darkness, Right? Something in our lives may not be working quite right. There might be loneliness, depression, there might be a relational problem, a financial problem, and that's a sense of darkness too. And that gives us the same sense in that, that there's a struggle that every single one of us deals with. And you know, the struggle comes from ourselves, perhaps. We might be the selfish one, the self-centered one, the prideful one, the, the egotistical one that creates some darkness in our lives. Uh, or it could come from someone else, right? Someone else in your life is the selfish one. That it's always easier to point at the other one. <laughs> you know, they might be the, the one that's causing and bringing darkness into your life. But there's also just a sense that there is a, a true darkness that's beyond you, beyond me, that is at work all the time. And Paul reminds us of that in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? That's not the only way we have struggle but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil, even in the heavenly realms. And so we know that the darkness is the reality of our world. Darkness is the reality of our lives. And chances are you walked in today 
and you can quickly think about a darkness that you might be kind of experiencing right now. And the thing about it is that no matter how dark it gets, no matter how dark it ever gets in the world or in our lives, there's always hope. There's always hope. And just a little bit of light can change everything. And so if you walked in today, maybe feeling a little heavy, feeling a sense of weight, you know, and feeling a sense of like a darkness that's about you, uh, I hope that today you will be inspired by Jesus's words. We're going to look at one of the claims that Jesus made. And in this claim, he uses a a metaphor, the metaphor of light. And so we're going to look at the metaphor We're going to look at the the claim that he makes, which is, by the way, an outrageous claim. And I hope we can actually, I'm going to ask God to help us see it for what it is. It's an outrageous claim that ought to evoke an emotion in us. And then we're going to look at the call that he gives us because of that claim. And my prayer for you and for me is that as we look at the dark world, as we look at the darkness in our lives today, we might be inspired and moved by the light by the light that Jesus brings, all the songs we sang this morning, didn't Jared lead us beautifully? All these songs talked about God being our light. And so I want to start this morning with prayer, um, asking God to be the one to bring the wisdom. Our Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, and as we look at the reality of our world, it's so easy for us to be overwhelmed. And so we look at your word for truth today. We look for your wisdom. Father, I don't have the wisdom to explain this phenomenal, mind-blowing claim that Jesus made. I mean, we we just can't understand uh, truly all of what he was saying to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you, by the power of the Spirit, that you would teach us this morning. That while I might say words, the Spirit would speak to our spirits and truth would move our hearts, our minds, our emotions, would just move us, move us from where we are and change us today. Father, your truth has the power to heal, to purify, to strengthen, to inspire, to move us to a whole new level this morning. And so we submit this time to you and we open our eyes and we open our ears and then we ask you, God, to be the one to touch our eyes, touch our ears that we might hear what you have to say to us. And we pray this in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, let me give you the context of the statement before we actually hear the statement. Jesus was in, at the temple, and this was at a time where they were celebrating. There's an argument about which festival was being celebrated. It would have been one of the two. The Feast of Tabernacles was one, or the Feast of Dedication, or the Festival of Lights, which is what we know today as Hanukkah. Uh, But either way, there would have been a celebration that was really focused on light. This is a a rendition of the temple at the time. This is someone created this image to give us a picture of where Jesus was and what it looked like when he was making this statement. Uh, This little area where the lights are located is what's called the, the Court of Women. And it was called the Court of Women because that was as far as women could go into the temple. They could get to that area, and they could not cross that opening further. Only men could, and not every man, some men. So that area held the most amount of people. 
And that day, because of the festival, it would have been one of those moments in the, in the temple year where the, a lot of people would congregate in there. I mean, very little room for each other. Some say up to 250,000 people would pack in that space. And they would have these huge candelabras that were 27 feet high and burning fire. In fact, some of the, it was said that some of the priests would burn their old clothing and use them as wicks. So there would be this huge amount of light, light, obviously well before electricity. And it was so bright, and you can see it there, it was so bright that it would not only light the temple, which was all made out of stone and reflected that light out, it lit up the entire city of Jerusalem. So it was, it was like this bright light, and it's like, you know, flies fly to, uh, to the light. So did people. People came to the temple for this amazing experience of light. And the ceremony was to remind the people of the pillar of fire that guided the people of Israel while they were in the desert. Scripture says that God guided the people during the night with this pillar of fire, and that's when they knew God was with them. His Shekinah glory was present with them. So this whole festival was to remember this experience and remember the promises that God made to his people that he would always be with them. He would be their light. And so as we look again at the picture of the temple, This temple brightly lit, packed with 200,000 people, Jesus standing in some place making such a statement. I want you to just look at this picture and now hear the words as they would have been heard uh, at that time. Imagine this. Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Would you say it with me? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus declared himself in the midst of this place, I am the light. You've come to celebrate the light. Well, good news. I am the light you seek. And light in John's gospel is is used all throughout. John uses these beautiful metaphors to give us a visual picture, something we can actually easily understand, how light changes everything. And Jesus is saying, I am the light. There is a light to the world, and it's me. And this metaphor changes the way that we see Jesus. So on your outline, you have some blanks today. Just some fun, change it up a little bit so you can write some things down. Uh, The first thing that the light metaphor helps us see is who is Jesus? John says in chapter 1, he says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. John is saying this about Jesus. He is the light of the world. Now, think for a second uh, what light represents. Light represents life, right? Just think of the sun, for example, which with, without which we cannot live, all right? We need the sun to survive. It's a source of life. Most basic source of life is the sun. If we didn't have the sun, we would all freeze. Animals would freeze. Plants would die. The food chain would fall apart, and that would be the end of that, right? The sun is the most basic source of light. Light is life. Not only that, but light is truth. Now, you know, if you're like riding your bike at night 
and there's a tree that fell on the ground and it's really dark and you can't see the tree without the light, you're going to hit that tree and you're going to get hurt. And that's one way to get information, right? Just literally just run into the tree in the middle of the darkness. But light gives us information. There's a tree there. It's on the ground and it's going to hurt you unless you turn and move it around. Light brings us information. It brings us truth. And the other thing that light does is it, it's a basic source of joy, right? I mean, look at this beautiful day. Doesn't it make you joyful just that? I mean, there are many studies found of people who uh, live in areas where there is little sunlight and what effect that has on their emotional state. I watched a show about people who work in South, um, the South Pole, and some of them leave when they get to that point where there's darkness 24-7, uh, but some stay. And the video showed what these people deal with in those many, many weeks, week after week after week with very little sunlight and how confused they get and depressed they get and how challenged they are to just live day by day. And when that light comes back, I mean, they, they have to recover from an experience of being in the darkness for a long time. Light is a source of joy. So when Jesus uses this metaphor saying, I am the light, he is essentially saying, I am life, I am truth, I am joy. I am all these things because I am the light. And you will not walk in darkness ever again. Finally, walking in the light is something we can do forever. And this got people's attention, right? People listened to this statement, and right away the Pharisees are like, what? Who are you to say this? I mean, when you think about what Jesus said, when we're going to go through it a little deeper, it's a miracle no one walked out to him and choked him right then and there because what he was claiming was so out there that, you know, some people say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good person, a good prophet. But listen, if, if this was not true, this major claim that Jesus made about himself, he was, like as some C.S. Lewis has written, he had to have been a crazy lunatic and a liar to say such a thing. And sure enough, the Pharisees believed he was a crazy lunatic and a liar. And they start to question him. Who are you to say this about yourself? I mean, think about it. If any of us got up and said, hey, I am the light of the world, right? The rest, most of us would think, does he have any guns? <laughs> There's something wrong with this person, right? Because obviously this statement made a big deal. And the problem was they could not see Jesus for who he was. They were blind. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, it said, he wrote that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to the point they cannot see Jesus for who he is. And these Pharisees were blind to who Jesus was. This is the second time Jesus makes this great I am statement, ego in me, a statement that correlates him to God himself. So Jesus is essentially making himself equal to God. See, he tells them, you, you, don't, you don't even know what you're seeing. I am the light. And he, he equates himself with the creator whom scripture talks about in terms of light over and over again. The prophet Isaiah said that one day we would see the glory of God. Listen to what it says in verse um, 35.5. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. He will come to save you, and then the eyes of the blind will be open. Jesus came to demonstrate the glory of God. Genesis 1.3 says, God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. God is the one who has power over light. You and I did not create the sun or have any power over the sun. I don't care how awesome of a human you are. We don't come close to having power over the light. We might be able to turn a light switch on and off. And if that light breaks, some of us know how to change a light bulb, right? Some of us. Because the reality is we have no power of light, but God does. Genesis uh, 15 says that it shows God as a blazing torch. Exodus 19 says God descended Mount Sinai as fire. Psalms 36, 9 says, for in you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. It is through God as light that we see light itself. Isaiah calls God the light of Israel. Ezekiel says God is a flashing lightning, a brilliant light. You see, Jesus is calling himself God. People say God didn't, Jesus did not claim to be God. He did not claim to be a deity. Wrong. He sure did. And he did it in the most blasphemous way as far as the Pharisees were concerned. How dare you compare yourself to the creator by saying, I am the light. In that day, they were celebrating that God's presence was with them as a pillar of fire. And Jesus said, I am that pillar of fire. I am not a light in the world. I'm not one of the lights. I'm not one of the ways in which you can get away from darkness. I am the light. You notice, the light. There is no other light to the world other than Jesus. He didn't describe himself as a light or even the light for the Israelites and the Jews. He didn't say, I am the light for Jerusalem. He didn't say, I'm the light for the Middle East. I am the light for you people here. No, what does he say? I am the light for the world. The whole world. There is no other. Okay, if you're not getting moved by this, I want you to be thinking about the emotion you're experiencing because you're going to have one of these different emotions. You're going to be angry about such a statement. We walk out of here right now. We go to Fashion Island and stop a person and say, I want you to know Jesus is the light. He is the way. There is no other way. Are you going to walk out of Fashion Island alive? Right? This has the potential of upsetting some folks. Chances are you're upset right now because Jesus said that. This is one of those statements you cannot claim to be a, oh, that's a nice thing Jesus said. He either said it because it's true or he was a lunatic and a liar. Lunatic and, a liar and we're all to be pitied for believing in him. Very little in between. He compares himself to God. Now, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles was the day where they turned off all these lights. Now, and that's like the most miserable day. You saw how beautiful the temple looked all lit up. Imagine the day where all these lights are turned off. It's like Christmas, right? We take down our, our lights in our house. If you're one of those people that really lights it up, you know, that's kind of a bummer the day you unplug the lights. You know, your house looks totally like blah, right? And so there's this picture. Jesus is saying, I am the light. These lights are going to go out. These lights are temporary, but my light is eternal, it never, ever goes out. There's a big difference between the light that Jesus shows. The Shekinah glory of God had left the temple. You see, every time these candelabras were turned off in the temple, the Jews would be reminded that at one time, 
God's glory shone in that temple. But God had left them because they were disobedient, right? And they would reminded them that God was not present in the same way he was back in the wilderness. And Jesus says, but he is now. He is now. I am now that light. You see, to see Jesus is to see God, the creator, the majestic one, the all-wise one, the all-loving one, the perfectly good one, the holy one in the flesh. In fact, Isaiah says, those sitting in the darkness will see a great light. That's who Jesus was. And that light brings healing, healing at last. And, and just as Jared was telling us this morning, when we, when we look at God for who he is, we experience healing. In Luke chapter 7, we're told that Jesus cured many. He gave sight to many who were blind. And, and, and this is because John the Baptist, who had been telling everyone to prepare the way for Jesus, is now in prison. And he starts to wonder, wait, is Jesus the light? Is, is he really the one? And Jesus says, report to John, the very things that were prophesied about me is happening. The blind are seeing. This is a miracle that had never happened before. In scripture, you see miracles in the Old Testament. Never before a person's sight had been restored. Only the light has the power to restore sight to the blind. And so Jesus says, this is how you know. In chapter 9, extra credit for you like Bible geeks like me. Go to chapter 9 because chapter 9, Jesus repeats the statement again. He says, I am the light of the world. And the very next thing he does, he heals a man who had been born blind. And people are like, why is this man blind? Was it because he sinned? Was it because his family sins? He goes, no, it's because the Father will be glorified. You're going to see the light amongst you because I'm going to do what no one No one has done, will ever be able to do. I will restore the sight to this man. I am the light of the world. I bring healing. If you knew me, Jesus says, you would know the Father to see Jesus for who he is. Not a nice teacher, not a good prophet, not a good person, not a wise one. But to see him for who he is, is to see God for who he is. If you knew me, you would know the Father. Colossians says the Son is the image of the invisible God. We may not know God. We may not see God. But when we see Jesus, we see God. Now that is quite the claim, right? That's quite the claim that Jesus is making. The founder of every other religion, every other religion, study them if you already have, will say, I'm like the moon. I point to something else. I'm not the moon. I'm not the sun. There is a sun. I'm just the moon. I'm not the way. There is a way. I'm not, I'm not divine. There is a divine. Jesus says, no, I am the. I am the light. I am the sun. That is a bold, outrageous claim. Hebrews 1 says, the sun is the radius of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The sun is the radiance, the radiance of God's glory. Hebrews tells us that. Jesus said that about himself. Light changes everything. It changes the way we see Jesus, and it changes the way we see God, and it changes the way we see ourselves. 
You see, when we see Jesus for who he is, and when we see God for who he is, we cannot help but have a different sense for who we are. Because how is it possible that an all-good, all-knowing, eternal God who never has done a thing that is wrong, a God who is perfect and holy and majestic and is beautiful, can care about you and I. I mean, I know myself. And you know, some of you have heard my story, but if we sat and spent a little more time, you'd find out I got a dark side. I have a side of me that I would love not to talk about ever about you. Could you believe that? God loves you anyway. And it makes us see ourselves very differently. In in verse 23, listen to what Jesus says to them. Because they're questioning him, right? They're like, who are you to say that? He goes, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you. I told you that you would, listen to how many times he tells them this, that you would die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. So in case you haven't noticed it, this is who you are. You are a rebellious, selfish, self-absorbed people. You rebel against God. We all do. Every one of us, Romans says, there's not a single one of us that falls close, comes even close to the glory and the goodness of God. I mean, we try to compare ourselves to people like Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. How many have already failed? And those are just people. Go read Twitter and see what people said about Billy Graham after his death. Awful things. He's a person. He wasn't perfect. And yet we aspire to be even like a little, like a little this much close to that, right? Imagine how far we are. From the good, good God, our creator. We don't come close. And if it were not for his love for us, Jesus is right. We would die in our sins. This is who we are. We all, we all, deserve, we all deserve a punishment for our sin. Now we tend to think that hell is for those really, really bad people like Adolf Hitler, Hitler or Idi Amin or Pol Pot or Genghis Khan. We think, yeah, for sure, those people were bad. We think some of us will squeak through the heaven or squeak through to God's presence because we tried hard. This is what I used to think. I did not become a believer until I was 40 because for the longest time I thought I'm a pretty good person. The things I've done is because I'm a victim or sure I've made some mistakes, but I'm not like so-and-so. I'm not like that one. I'm not like that one. And it was easy for me to say, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I've seen worse until it hit me that my bad, no matter how little it might seem to me, was enough, enough for me to be separated from God. Until I looked at it for what it is. Jesus is claiming that those who refuse to see him as the light, the way, the truth, cannot experience life. Not life eternal, not the way that God intended it. You see, I love Martin Luther King's words. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Only light can drive out the darkness that's in you and I. And then this is who we are in Christ. First Thessalonians says, you are children of the light and children of the way. 
We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. We belong to the light. We belong to Jesus, and now we have the light. Are you overwhelmed by that? I'm overwhelmed by that. That somehow God can look at me and think, I have light. With all my story, my mess, my junk, my way of thinking, my selfishness, my self, all the stuff, that God somehow looks at me and says, you are my child. You're a child of light. I would quickly say to God, you must be blind. Can I show you a few things about me? When we first started serving here at Mariners and Jim and asked, I were asked to join the elder board just to pray for people. That was the task at the time. We didn't feel even capable of doing that. We were like, Can, sit down. We have a story to tell you. Let me, let me tell you who we are because you obviously don't know us. You don't know that you're asking the wrong person. There's some amazing people in this church. These couples that are like, Awesome. They've been married forever. They've been like godly people. Why are you asking us? We're a mess. I think when we recognize ourselves for who we are, we quickly start to disqualify ourselves. But when we see God as light, and we see that his light is healing, and you see that his light is looking to heal us, then we can embrace and accept that he makes us children of the light. Right? And that helps us see the world completely differently. When we see Jesus for who he is, when we see God for who he is, when we see ourselves for who we really are, then we can see the whole world very differently. Because all of a sudden we can see that every other person deals with sin too. We might walk in and go, man, there's some really nice looking people here at the chapel. All the nice Christians are here. They're all like perfect. But really, when it comes down to it, Every single one of us is broken. And, you know, leave here right now. Go have uh, breakfast over there at Irvine Spectrum at some store. Walk around the crowds and look at all those people. And they, too, have sin in their lives. In fact, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Every one of us, were it not for the work of Jesus, would be enslaved to sin. And some of us are still believing we're enslaved to sin, even though we're following Jesus. Somehow we forget who Jesus is. When we minimize who Jesus is, we minimize what he has done for us. When we make Jesus a nice teacher, a wise one, okay, I'll add Jesus to my life, then we minimize what he's doing for us, and we remain slaves. Jesus says, I've come to give you the truth. That truth will set you free. What is sin? Sin is essentially an offense against God, where we choose ourselves over God, where we don't choose to give God the glory, the worship, as we were praying earlier, right? When we we choose to not give him all the praise that he deserves for who he is, we're essentially sinning because we're making ourselves something we are not, something better than God, something better than the light, and we're not. And if we're not careful, we're enslaved by that. We live our whole lives by that. How many of you would say that you, there's a part of you that knows something is missing? Like there's a hole in you. And that hole, if it's not filled with the light of God, will be filled by sin. It just does. I know it from my own experience. I'm sure you do as well. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. The world is desperate for freedom. People you work with, 
your neighbors. More and more people are rejecting God, and yet more and more people need the real Jesus, not the, not the nice Jesus we've created, not the safe Jesus we've created, not the Jesus that doesn't really bring any power of healing we've created, but the real Jesus who makes the most audacious claim to be the light of the world. That's who people need. We can't walk around acting as though we believe in a little baby Jesus that has no power. It makes nothing. The world's desperate for us to bring the light. Paul knew this about himself. Paul, a Pharisee himself, he probably was in that place when Jesus said, uh, I am the light. And Paul made it his business to take out any person who believed in Jesus. He went around persecuting Christians. And then when he got like full of himself, he, he went on a rampage. And on the way to take those Christians out, Jesus appears to him how? If you know the story, Acts chapter 9. He came to him as a light. And he blinded Paul from his own blindness so that he could see the truth. And Paul comes out of that experience, oh, a changed man. And now he went everywhere. Paul lived the most craziest life. He lived, he, he suffered, he traveled, he was beaten, he was, in, he was put in prison, he was persecuted again and again and again, and he never backed down from telling people who Jesus was. He said this, he said, this is what the Lord has commanded us, you, me, those of us who believe in Jesus, I have made you a light to the Gentiles. I have made you a light I am sending you now to bring the light unto others. You are the light. You are the light the world so desperately needs. Have you been transformed by the light of Jesus? Has he made a difference in your life, no matter how small? That's enough, my friends. Just like a little light in the darkness can make a huge difference. That is enough for us to make a difference in someone else's life, right? It doesn't be, you're not a finished product. You're not done. You're not completed. You're not perfect yet. You're not exactly like Jesus. None of us are. We have enough. We have enough to be the light. First Peter says, but you're chosen. You have been chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions to do what? That you might declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That you now go into the world and you become the light. So are you beautiful where you are? Do people see the light shining through you? Are you allowing God to use you as his light? Do they watch how you take criticism, how you handle your finances, how you treat the waitress at the restaurant or the very rude clerk over the phone, how you deal with other people, how you deal with trouble and crises, how you deal with your pain, how you deal with your sorrow, how you deal with cancer and death and horrors. Can people see light coming through you? Not that you can't be human, not that you can't cry, not that you can't be angry, but is there light coming through? You've been sent to be the light by the light himself. Ego in me, the word that Jesus uses, I am. 
were the very words God used of himself. When the Jews heard this, they were infuriated. I'm going to read these two verses back to back so you can see what they would have heard. In John 8, 58, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, which is like true, true, true. It's true. I'm telling you something that's true. Listen to this. Before Abraham was born, I am. Ego in me. Before Abraham, I was already in existence. So this is what they would have heard. They would have heard Moses telling the story of God sending him. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The great I am. The great I am. We have been sent by that I am to thee, the light of the world. At that moment, people picked up stones to stone Jesus to death. They were so infuriated by that claim. How dare he claim to be the great I am? How dare you and I leave this place and go out into the world and say the most outrageous thing that Jesus is the light the world so desperately needs that when people complain about the darkness in this world, you can be bold and say, well, there is a light. There is a light. Isaiah reminds us to arise and shine for we have seen a great light. Matthew 5 Jesus told us, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Let your light shine. This isn't like be prideful. Some people say, well, you know, we can't let people see what we do. We're misunderstanding the point here. Let your light shine means let the light of Jesus that's in you shine before this. Let let people see the work that God has done in your life. Can you tell I'm a little passionate today? Maybe I had too much coffee. All of a sudden, I'm noticing, whoo, I'm intense. Listen, live courageously. I'm like the world's biggest chicken myself. And I'm trying to preach this to myself too. Let us live courageously and not back down. While the world is trying to shut that down and say, you don't get to say that anymore. Too many Christians have walked around attempting to be the light of the world and done horrible things. Absolutely, I agree. It's deplorable. It's sad. It's wrong. And we should definitely mourn over that. But that does not mean we turn off our light. That does not mean that we now close up in the darkness and go, well, we can't talk about Jesus anymore anywhere. We can't do that. Thank you. All right, in conclusion, think back of what Jesus said. I am the light of the world. What is the emotion that comes up for you? Are you inspired by those words? Are you angry at those words? Do you, are you saying, how dare he say that? How could people possibly believe in him for saying that? Who is he to make such a bold claim? Are you Do those words scare you? Do you think, oh my goodness, if this is true, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, then I got some things I need to change. I have to look at him differently. I can't minimize him anymore. Do those words cause you to feel like you need to surrender to the great I am who calls you to be the light? You cannot possibly hear these words And not have some sort of emotion. Because if you have no emotion, then you ought to be praying to God to open up your ears. 
and open up your eyes and open up your mind because you are not hearing the outrageous claim Jesus made. So find your emotion. Jesus Christ claimed to be the light of the world. And that light changed everything. We can't be impartial about that. So as we respond this morning, I hope as you go through the stations, you are moved by these words evermore. That as you think about them, as you try to reflect on who Jesus, this is like going to stretch your mind. I, I pray that by you taking communion, you're reminded that that light, the God, the creator, came and gave his life for you and I. When we light the candles that in the darkest places in our life, there's still hope. When we go to the offering boxes, remember he's always with us. He's the one who provides. When we go to the cross and confess our sins, we recognize we would be dead in our sins if it were not for his work. And so let this time be a time between you and Jesus. You pretend to be one of those thousands of people hearing him say that word and ask him, Jesus, what do I need to hear when I hear you tell me I am the light? Go ahead and respond. Go ahead and stand and respond. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.